Well, hello there, and welcome to this Calvary Longview audio message. We're so glad you've chosen to take a moment to discover with us the truth that can be found in the Bible, and we pray that you'll be blessed by what you hear. Today, Pastor Al is going to be sharing with us a message from the book of Revelation. We can't wait to get into God's Word, so crack open your Bible, grab your note-taking tools, and we'll get started. My heart, uh, Revelation chapter 1, is to look at the seven churches. Uh, It's so important, I think, in the day and age in which we live, that we would uh, not only, you know, because I think the the, um, media, social media has caught in the eyes of many people who are interested in knowing what God has to say. And so not just for that purpose, but they will be able to take inventory themselves and say, oh, that takes place in a church. Well, I don't want to be a part of that church when churches are open. Or I don't want to. If they're looking for a church, they'll have that that menu. It's like online shopping now, I guess, you know. And uh, with that, so we're, we're number one, we'll be able to look at these seven churches in the next seven weeks. Today we'll just do an opening looking at the, who the letter's from. But also it gives myself and our leadership this opportunity to look and see where our church is. Because we want to know as the, the days get nearer that, okay, Lord, where do we stand? You know, and we were talking about this in uh, one of our meetings this past week. It was a real good conversation that we were talking about, okay, where are we? <laughs> you know, and I don't think that we can label ourselves as any one church, but we see the the, the pros the, and then the cons and the, the good and the bad. And we want to look at the good and develop those things within our body. And we want to shed anything that the Lord might um, show us that, you know, we need to get rid of because we're not here for my benefit or, I mean, we gather together for all of our benefits, but it's not for me. It's He's mandated it. He's mandated us to gather together. It's, it's his church. And so as we come together and gather together, we want to make sure that what, you know, he has a say in what's going on in the churches today. So, and then this takes place, you know, I want to share this too, because when, uh, you know, church resumes with children's ministry and all that, when, when it does resume, they, they are going to do, they're holding the same standards, youth group, same standards. You know, it's not just like from the pulpit. It needs to be throughout the church. And they're looking at the very things that we're looking at. So it's almost like a, a leadership conference the next seven weeks, if you will. and uh, Or it could be looked at as, uh, you know, individual inventory, because that's another thing that we'll be looking at. But it just gives us the opportunity in the day and age that we live in to say, look in the mirror of God's word and say, God, minister to my heart, minister to our heart. So... With that, I want to just share with you, uh, you know, how the book of Revelation is broken down. We're not going to get in through the whole thing. We've talked through it just uh, a couple of years ago. But I, 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 just to look at it and to see it's broken into three parts. So to understand the book of Revelation, look at verse 19 of chapter 1. It says, write the things that you have seen. So the Lord is telling John to write the things that he has seen. And in the 10th verse of the first chapter, it says, John recording, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a voice, a loud voice as a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see right in the book and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, uh, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. So the first part, what he is to do is to write the things that you've seen. Then 
write the things that are. That's the, the seven churches that I just mentioned. And then that's chapters 2 and 3. And then the third thing that is broken out is, it says, and write the things that take place after this. That's beginning in verse, or chapter 4, all the way through 22. It's after these things. There's a, a term that's used, metatauta in the Greek, and it's uh, saying after the church age, after the things that you just read in chapters 2 and chapters 3, then there's going to be the perfect church. So if you're looking for a church, you'll find a perfect church in chapter 4 when we start looking at the perfect pastor who's Jesus. And you'll, he's a perfect shepherd. And the perfect church, you know, so we, we know that we're all human here on earth. We're trying to do the best we can to follow he, uh, the Lord. And so we, we get to do that. So we chapters 4 through 22, which we will not get to this time, you can go back in our, our archives and, and take a look at those. But it's speaking of the, the future church in heaven and on earth, and they'll follow, it follows the rapture. So all the, or the future events, I should say, that take place in heaven and, and on earth that'll follow the rapture of the church. So let's jump in, beginning in verse 1. We're going to look at the first eight verses today. But verse 1, it says, the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is important. It's not revelations, though there are many revelations in the book. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. not the revelation of the wrath of God. It's not the revelation of the end time. Those are revelations that you'll see in the book. But what's happening is it's Jesus Christ. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the Greek word uh, here is apoc- uh, for, for revelation is apocalypsis. So that means disclosure or to be revealed. You know, we've all been waiting for, and even the Jews, the nation of Israel, they've been waiting for Jesus to rule and reign for a long time. You know, the, the Messiah to rule and reign for a long time. And they missed him in his first coming. And so the second coming, after the millennial reign, or during the millennial reign, we'll see that Israel set up. After that um, seven years of tribulation, God is not done with Israel. He's going to uh, continue to work, and he'll fulfill his covenant to them. And so, again, the, the revelation is of Jesus Christ. This is what it speaks of. Now, the purpose, it says, again, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants. And so this is pretty cool because the unveiling is for you and I. It's for his servants. It's for the word there is doulos, bondservant. And the Lord wanted to, you know, to communicate to the things on earth what he has in store. I mean, I love that about the Lord. He's not keeping us in the dark. You know, we see all these things going on and we think, man, you know, it takes us a minute. We get our grip and we're saying, okay, Lord, what's happening with the world today? With all this coronavirus, with all this, you know, hating and, and bickering and political great divide and all this stuff. And the Lord has written about those stuff. He's written about that in his word. and he sh- He's shown those things to us. And we see the, the great birth pangs that are taking place. But here you have this time to where he's wanting to communicate. He wants you and I. Anyone that would come to him, he wants you to know. He's not leaving you in the dark on anything. He wants you to know what's going on and, and you know, where to keep his word. So uh, he, he wants us to be in a loop. I love that about the Lord. You know, he's just like, we're walking by faith, not by sight. So he's given us a lot in his word to where he's, you know, painted this picture of how we're to operate. You know, we just finished First Timothy in chapter 3, verse 15, how we're to conduct ourselves in the house of God. It was very important. We're, we were to look at how we're to conduct ourselves, how we're to, you know, I behave in the church, our behavior status. 
Well, we get this now to where we can see that he wants us to be in the loop. He also wants us to know his desires for uh, the things taking place in the church. I mean, Jesus has to say, right? I mean, it's his church. He died for it. He shed his blood. He took the, the penalty upon himself and he birthed the churches. He ascended to heaven, sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, which is next week, uh, you know, celebrating it next week. And you see this great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, saving men and women, 3,000, 5,000 people at a time are getting saved. And even today, people are getting saved. Even today, there's reports that we're getting that I'll receive a message uh, whether it's on Facebook or whether it's on, uh, you know, instant messenger or somehow a text, they'll give it to me to people telling me that they're coming to Jesus. They're backsliders. We've been praying for backsliders going for through Jeremiah on Wednesday nights and people are answering, God's answering our prayer. People are coming back to him. It's incredible. Now they might not, I'll tell you this. They might not just be people in this church. I'm receiving calls from California guys. I haven't seen for 30 years. And God is ministering to them. So he wants us to know. He wants to show us. He wants to keep us in the loop. But he wants to know the things that are going on in the church. He wants you and I to know, and especially the messengers, which are the pastors. He wants us to know so that uh, the things that he sees that he deems appropriate, the things that he wants to approve and will approve, the things that are out there, and the things that he doesn't. So keep in mind that he has the word on what goes on in the church. We don't just do things because, well, we like to do them. We do them because we really feel the Lord would have us do them. We're to listen to him. And so he says, the purpose of this is to show his servants. And then the timing of things. Look at verse 1. He says, these things must shortly take place. That's incredible. Because again, we speak about the living ready or living for his uh, imminent return. In, in the process of waiting that he can return at any moment. And, and, and the word shortly there is a word, another Greek word that says tacos, not tacos. It's tacos, where you get the word uh, tachometer. And what it means is it measures the rate of speed that you're picking up. And that's what he's talking about. He's like, I'm coming and I'm coming soon. And so with these letters that we're going to be studying in the next seven weeks from today, we're going to see what he's wanting to take inventory in the church and how he sees things in the church and how he feels uh, about things in the church that are taking place. And we should be ready, as Christians, we should be ready to have our fuel tanks topped off and our wicks trimmed, right? We want to be ready at all times. And it's just not saying we're ready. I want to live ready. I want to live my life in a way to where I'm ready to go at any time, that when he shows up, I'm not going to be embarrassed. We're in the end of uh, the story of the, the parable of the... Um, wise and foolish uh, virgins, Jesus said this. He said, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. So nobody can depict that time, but we do know the season. We look out there and the climate is right. You see the things that are taking place. It's so interesting That's what's happening. And so we want to stay true to his word. We want to make sure that we're uh, you know, doing the things that he would have us do because we see the time. Why study the, you know, take a, a, a meander out of, before starting 2 Timothy, into Revelation? Well, it's because the time. I think it's just timing. It's perfect. And so look at verse 1 again. He says, and he sent and signified, that means a show by a sign. He went and signified it by his angels to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God 
and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Now, obviously, this is a condensed teaching of what I'm doing. I think the last time we taught through chapter 1, we did this in uh, five or six weeks. We're going to do eight verses in a week. But listen, he says, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. John desires that his audience, which was the seven churches, but then the letters would be passed out, and then they would be there from age to age to come. We have them in 2020, the same letters. And he wanted his readers to understand that the validity of what he's writing, the, the validity of this book is from God. Look, at it's from the Lord. It's not from man. It's not from me. It, again, in, there's 28 times when he claims throughout this, this uh, book, the book of Revelation, that he says, I heard 28 times, 49 times he said, I saw or I looked or I beheld. And they all have the same meaning there. John wants us to know without a, a shadow of a doubt that he's not dictating some of his own dreams, but rather he is reciprocating. He's, he's talking and, and putting forth exactly what he's heard and what he's seen. So there's no doubt about that. There's a witness to it. And then understand, look at verse 3, because you get the blessings from this. He says, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keeps those things which are written in it for the time is near. So again, he says, blessed, and that's, oh, how happy. Oh, how happy is he who reads the words of this prophecy. The book is for, listen, the book is, uh, of Revelation is there for us to understand, not to be afraid of. It's not to be afraid of at all. It's for us to understand. And it comes with a blessing and it testifies of our Savior and how he, as he's going to be seen in the end times. So it's like, yeah, I, I look so forward to it. You know, we've, we've studied it twice uh, as a church. We've looked through it. It's wonderful. And there's been so much of a blessing. And then he says, oh, how happy is that person who reads? That's kind of cool. I'm going to read it. You're going to read it. And then he says, blessed is he who hears the words of this prophecy. So we got to play, play uh, close attention, pay close attention, and make sure that we have ears to hear. I mean, after each church, you'll see this, uh, the letters to each church, you'll see this phrase, to him who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. So we want to hear. And the last time I checked, we have two ears. So we should be doubly paying attention. So we want to hear what it is that God is saying. I mean, listen, again, the church is not a way to make money. It's not a way to make a career. It's what God has ordained. It's a body. It has life to it. And we're here because of what he's given to us. And we want to hear from him. Look, the newest, greatest, coolest things are not what's important. But hearing from the word of God, hearing from God himself through his word, by the power of his Holy Spirit, that's what's important. You know, we, for, I, I hope the, the COVID thing killed all, you know, sense of, of entertainment. Really, in a sense, I'm kind of using that. Maybe it's a bad thing, forgive me. But yeah, I, I just, the entertainment in the church needs to go. And we need to buckle down to the right, what is right and what is true. And that's God's word. And so he says here, that, that not only those who hear, but blessed is he who keeps those things which are written in it. So here we are to keep the things. And that means to guard. And listen, we're not to have a blind eye to something. We're not just to, you know, have a closed ear to what he's saying. Rather, we're to respond. And then when we respond, we're to respond in obedience. 
Listen, you're to keep that. You know, grab hold of it. You can't keep what you don't have. So you're to keep what you have and keep it locked up in our hearts. This is, I, I, I'm, I'm loving what I'm hearing from the Lord. I want to keep that. And you can't keep what you don't have, but if you don't have Jesus, he's available today. That's a neat thing. He keeps us. We don't have to keep him, but he keeps us. Uh, the great shepherd, John chapter 10, he says, nobody can snatch us out of his hand. But if we don't have Jesus, the way to go about that is to understand that he loves us and he cares for us and that he died for us and he's available for any who would call upon his name to be saved. And then look at what he says at the end of verse 3. He says, for the time is near. The time is near. I mean, if we had a thermometer to put out in the world today, I think it would be registering, man, it is ready. You know, you barbecue, some of you guys, you got that smoker going on, you put that, you know, thermometer out there, and you're like, man, that tri-tip is just about done. It's ready. And I look at it today, you put a thermometer in the atmosphere of the world today, it's ready. Look at the timing is near. We've never been closer than we are today, but being able to look at the scriptures through the eyes of the, the, the lenses of prophecy being fulfilled, we see, my goodness, look at what's happening. And it's amazing how close we are to starting chapter four, where the church is in heaven and the tribulation starts. How close we are. We can be, you know, twinkling of, of an eye away. And I'm all right with that. I hope you're all right with that. So look at verse 4, because John begins to greet the church. And uh, he says, greetings to the seven churches who are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come from the seven spirits. So this is not seven different spirits, but seven is, speaks of the number of completeness. And so Isaiah speaks about that as well. He says, from the seven spirits, who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ. This is this letter is from Jesus, the same place that you're going to receive grace and peace from. It's all from Jesus. It's the same place where you're going to find the forgiveness of your sin, and the cleansing, and the washing, and all. It's from Jesus. And he writes these letters, and he says, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the king of the earth. So to the seven churches, again, that are in Asia, more than seven churches, obviously, Colossae, uh, Galatia. We see all these churches in those areas. But the seven, Jesus had specific things to say to these churches. And these seven churches, again, seven is the number of completeness. So he's speaking to not just these churches, but to the complete church in as a whole. And this will cover, we will cover in these seven weeks coming up, we're going to look at not only... Uh, will it be that he's talking to these churches, but the, it covers church era, the church history. And it also covers and it applies to the church today because out of each of these letters, we're going to see application that clearly is in the church of today that's out there in, in our world or in our nation. And so again, the letters have so much application for us today. And he says this, and I think this is what's important. At verse five, he says, "The and the rulers over the king, ruler over the king of uh, kings of the earth." Please remember that Jesus isn't just a king. He's not just this a powerful entity who once walked the earth, but Jesus is King of Kings, Lord of Lords. So 
it doesn't matter what's going on with, you know, we look at the world today, we look at all the chaos in the world today, we look at all the, the kings and world leaders threatening this and threatening that and this powerful men and women in the world today and all of their brilliance, all of their worldly counsel, none of them has the wisdom or the power to reign above Jesus Christ. None of them. So we look at this and we're like going, you know, this is important that you and I as a church remember really who's in charge. Who mandated the church? Who brought the church together? Who created the church? Who created time? Who created the earth and everything that's in it? It was the Lord. And so we look at these things and we say, he has ultimate authority in our lives. He's the one. And so it, it, you see all these kings and these queens and all these people in, that are in political office all, all over the world. They're really in rebellion against the Lord. The, this is what the majority is doing. They're rebelling. They're, they're not seeing him as king. So they're fighting for some authority they think they have. But I don't know why they haven't read that every man die, lives, he dies. They're going to die. What are you striving for? You know, you get these kings that go, I'm going to blow you up. I'm going to blow you up. I'm going to take care of you. I'm not going to give you any money. Well, you know what? I look at the Lord and say, Lord, just figure all that stuff out. Help me to live for you, right? Because he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And and again, even today's kings and, and other world leaders, they would rather fight against the Lord instead of submitting to him. That's the one message we have. You know, when you talk to political leaders today, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, how are we going to let the church go back in uh, to, to service? You know, or how, where is the church and all this? How this, and you're like, look at Jesus rules and reigns. What does Jesus have to say about all this? You know, they're fighting against Israel. They're fighting against his word. They're fighting against, you know, the essentials. So they say about abortion clinics being open. That's fighting against God because they're killing God's people. They're killing God's creation. You know, and I think about this too, because Climate change fights against the Lord. Climate change, it, it's a worship. It's, it's, a, it's a worship center of people of a religion. They say, well, I don't believe in God. Well, they, they're part of a religion because they, they're worshiping the creation rather than the creator. And so they're in this climate change. And yes, we're to be good stewards with this world. I get all that. But we're not to worship Mother Earth. And Jesus is the only answer for peace. And we're living in the days when there's so much chaos because of dissension, because of the people in power that are fighting against one another. Listen, just give me Jesus. Give me his word. What does he have to say? Because I'm going to stick to that. So we, the church, I want to throw this out there because I think this is important for today. We, the church, also need not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. The, the Jesus is ruling, right? And, and, and so the, the whoever's hearing this broadcast out, throughout, you know, wherever it's going, they're so important that we would make sure that we don't fall into the devices of Satan. That we don't, and, and what I, and you say, what do you mean by that? Listen, there's a desire for Satan to stir up strife and unrest in the church. What I mean? Especially when the church at this point now has been praying and, and its leadership has been diligently seeking the Lord being, you know, spending time in his word 
And then all of a sudden you have all these different opinions and there's a lot of things that are going on. You know, you get the pastor and I don't know, Kenny has a graph up there, kind of a picture, but it's kind of an interesting thing. Maybe some of you saw that and I don't know if you can read it, but you can, she'll send you a copy. But it's like all of these different things, you know, when are we going to start the church? How are we going to do this? We're not going to start. You can't start a church. You got me. You know, you get all these things. You can't start a church. And I understand and I hear every one of the people's thoughts out there, but Satan wants to come in and divide. And all I'm doing is all I want to do to the people is say, let's look to King Jesus. Look, at we, we've got to endeavor to keep the unity of the, of the spirit and the peace that Jesus has created. And Satan wants to come against, you know, what's this? What's that? How is this going to happen? What's going to go on there? And I don't know. But I tell you that Jesus knows and we're trying to follow every church leader is responsible to follow the best he can. So instead of being critical to him, be thankful for him and be thankful for your leadership and be praying for them. And don't fall into that trap because, listen, we are to endeavor to keep that unity that God has created. Make sure, church, that we do that. And we don't become so political within ourselves. That's exactly what Satan would have us do. Oh, they're a church that opened up early, you know. Oh, they're a church that didn't, they didn't open up. They don't have faith. Or they're a church, you know what I mean? So we need to make sure that we're making sure that, wait, wait a second, Jesus rules. Let's go to him. Let's take our opinions and go to him and so forth and whatnot. Anyway, enough said. Look at what he's done for us. Look at what the Lord has done for us. And this is why he wants to write to us. This is why he, he probably three or four things that I'll point out here. He wants to write to us because we're dear to his heart as his children. And he says in verse 5, he says, to him who loved us. You know, how sweet it is to be loved by Jesus Christ. How sweet it is not to be an enemy of Christ, but to be loved by him. You know, and, and he loves us just the way we are. And we come to him and he cares for us. And he's, you know, he's proven that love by giving himself as a ransom for our sin. You see, God doesn't love us because we deserve it. None of us deserve it. Nor does he love us because somehow we earned it. <laughs> that wouldn't happen. But he loves us because of who he is. And he loves us so much that he, you know, he, he loves us so much he doesn't want to leave us the same. He wants to change us. He wants us to be changed from which we came. And I love that because, you know, I was a mess. And I'm still a mess. I'm just a cleaner mess. I'm a better mess. But now, you know, you look at him and he say, you know, Jesus, take my life. Work within my life. And he wants to do that. So he saves us. He loves us enough to do that. He's not afraid to not touch you. You know, he wants to touch our lives. He wants to minister to our lives. He wants to take the anger. He wants to take the bitterness. He wants to take the, the unforgiveness. He wants to take these things. He loves us. And he wants to heal us and give us just, just a new life, that new life that's living in uh, with much fruit coming forth in our lives. And then he says that he washed us. Don't ever forget that. He washed us. He washed us. Not only does he love us, but he also washed us from our sins. You see, sin has left its mark on mankind, and we were filthy and in need of cleansing. And, and the wages of sin is death. So without Jesus and without the blood that was shed, we're all sentenced to die. 1 John 1.7 reminds us, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. How sweet is that? That the, the author of this letter, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ being in the presence of John, the revelator, he's, he's telling him that, reminding him, you know, he's on the island of Patmos. He's uh, been sent there because he's been teaching the word. He, nobody wants to hear from him. The leaders don't want to hear from him. But that Jesus Christ will cleanse us from all sin. Don't ever forget that. No matter where you're from, no matter what you've done. 
no matter how far you've walked away from him. He wants to cleanse you from all sin. He continues to cleanse us. He's a spotless lamb that takes away the sins of the world. And, and he continues to wash us. He's the only thing that can wash us and carry that guilt and remove it from us. And then kings and priests, he says, listen, we're kings and priests. Can you believe that? He says, and he's made us kings and priests to his God and to his Father, to him, be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Listen, believers are now in a kingdom of priests with the purpose of now and forever serving our God. I mean, he's taken me, and I use myself as an example because I don't know everybody's life. But he's taken me from serving my old life, my old self, my drugs, my alcohol, my whatever else I was into, the triune Godhead of Al, me, myself, and I. He's exchanged, taken those things, and now I'm fo- focused on, and have been for 30 years, Lord, how about you? I want to serve you, and this is what he's done. And so he's placed us, each of us that belong to him, in this, into this kingdom, called us out of the filth of this world, and freed us from the power of sin and death, and he's placed us as kings and priests, forever serving in his kingdom. That's powerful. And I love that because 1 Peter chapter 2 tells us, listen, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. His own special people that you may, and I want to stop there just for a second. Now listen, that you may, this is the purpose of your position. It's not to lord over, reign as dictator, but this is the position of our, we can stand up as kings and priests, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. Who did not obtain mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So it's not that, oh, I'm a priest, get out of my way. No, no, no. You proclaim the goodness of God. It's like honoring the king that is above you, King Jesus. For that purpose is the position that we have as kings. And I mean, he's placed us as ambassadors here on earth to share the goodness that he has for us. I told you guys the stories years and years for years. I could not clean myself up. Couldn't do it. Looked in the mirror. Tried to talk myself out of it. Didn't have the power to do so. Until I came to Jesus and he freed me up just like that. You're done. I got you, son. Welcome home. Freedom. No more. No more uh, desire for the drugs, alcohol. No more desire. No more. It's just gone. And he placed me like he has you. He's given us that power to place us into that kingdom as kings and priests. And then, look real quickly, because he says, uh, it, it, that that prompted an expression uh, uh, of John to leave a benediction, amen. That means so be it. But then he reminds him in verse 7, behold, he's coming. It's not that he might be coming. It's not that he hopes to come, or that he you know, will come if everything turns out all right, if he gets enough votes. This is an announcement that John is making. Hey, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. This is the announcement that he's making to the world. He, he wants them to know. He wants the audience to know, hey, you know, the things that's going on in the church. Remember, Jesus is coming. And he, he makes this announcement as a declaration to us, to, to let us know and to remind us that Jesus is on his way. He's on his way. He's not, you know, I used to think of my father getting out of his 
glider rocker, you know, and oh man, if he ever got it. And I'm glad that my dad was, I see where I get my bad back from. It took him a day and a half to get out of that chair because his back was really bad. He's older. And uh, he got out, you could hear him coming. You could, if I've got to catch you, you know, you could hear these things. Well, in this sense, Jesus is coming and he's coming and we can't see him. He doesn't need to take his time getting out of the glider rocker. He's on his throne. And, and John is not saying, by the way, Jesus will come, but he's saying he's coming and is coming is present tense. It's the present tense is as good as done. He's already on the way. And you might think, well, it's been 2000 years. What's going on for that? You know, what's the time is you've been saying this for a long time. Well, as we look through the lenses of prophecy, we see a couple of things that need to take place. Number one, the rapture, the rapture, the rapture. The second coming will be after the, the seven-year tribulation. We'll see him when he comes. But, or they'll see when, when he comes. But you and I, the church, the rapture of the church. The second thing that needs to take place is found in Romans. And, and it talks about in chapter 11, the fullness of the Gentiles. So the fullness of the Gentiles, once the fullness of the Gentiles comes, we're out of here. And that may be you, <laughs> whoever you are. You may not know Jesus. Maybe you're, well, I've been thinking about this for a while. Stop it. We want to go to heaven. You know, we want to get out of here. So, you you know, surrender your life to Christ right now and just say, God, forgive me and I said, I want to walk with you. And if we don't go to be raptured, then you're one closer to bring that fullness to the fulfillment. We need people to come to Christ. All right? So come to Christ and, and, and you know, see what the Lord does. Let's come out of here. Um, but regardless of where you stand, it doesn't matter. I mean, whatever religion people may even might be in, Jesus has come and it's certain and it's imminent. He's coming. So you got to understand that. It's interesting. The Jews and the Muslims and even the Christians, Christians are looking for the return of Jesus. And, and the Muslims and the Jews and some of the, the other uh, uh, religious leaders, they're, they're looking for their Messiah to come. So everybody's looking for somebody to come. I'm not looking for anybody to plan on earth. I'm looking to meet him in the clouds. So we're going to be out of here. So that's why, why is John writing, behold, he is coming if the rapture must take place? You know, why is that? Because although the rapture takes place first, it doesn't slow things down, uh, nor does it change the process of his second coming. It sets it up. It's just the timing of events. So verse 7, look again, because then he says, every eye will see him, or every one will see him. Every eye will see him. And that's incredible because every eye will see him and it reveals the physical and the bodily he's going to be seen in uh, appearance. But when Jesus returns for his bride, the rapture, only those who know him will see him. They're going to, they're going to come out with this thing. About time we got rid of those Christians. They don't have an answer. But about time we got rid of those Christians. Man, they were just a nuisance, you know. But First John chapter two or 3, verse 2 says this. Behold, now we are children of God and it has not been revealed. Uh, it has not yet been revealed uh, what we shall be, but we know that when we when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So you and I will see him. The, the thing here, when it comes to uh, those who don't know him, the second coming, everyone will see him. And they're going to see him as he was. And they're going to look upon him and they're going to see him. The Jews will see him as the Messiah that they missed. And, and I think the Christ rejecting world will see this all together, you know, as uh, the one that they, they missed and they've been talking about if they make it through that tribulation period. 
It's, incre- it's incredible. And then they're, they're going to see him in the morning. In verse 7, it talks about, and all the tribes in the earth will mourn. That tribe, the word tribe, not only speaks of the 12 tribes of Israel with 144,000, but, but the word tribe means clan here. And I believe that has a global effect, that everyone will see him as he is. All who have rejected Jesus Christ, who make it through the great tribulation, will see him and they will mourn. So God's not done with Israel, that's for sure. We know that. Yes, and he's not done with you and I today. And, and again, he wants to extend his grace out. This is a, the age of grace. A church age is the age of grace. And he, he wants people to come to know him. He wants people to, to uh, be forgiven of their sin, be forgiven of their life that they're living in. In 2 Peter chapter 3, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some have counted slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the heart of the Lord. That he wants people to come to him. He wants people to come, come, come. Whoever you are, come. And whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, let's close with this. Because, again, we're looking at the author of the letters. We're looking at the one who's inspired John to write these things down, who's demanded him, commanded him to do so. And he's the beginning of the end. He says in verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. The Alpha and the Omega is like the A and the Z. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the, and everything in there. Every Alpha, the Greek uh, letters, first and the last, in the Greek language, and then every, just like our language, every letter in between the A and Z and the Z would have making up words. Well, he is the word. That's what spells out our words. No spell check needed. He is the word of God. And he, the, the, the full revelation and the intelligent communication of God, he is who he says he is. Jesus Christ, who is, that's present time, the glorified Christ, who was, Past tense, meaning the Christ, uh, it, speaking in the past tense. He came as Christ. When he came as Christ, the Savior. And who is to come, that's future. That's the second coming. When it speaks of the sovereign king of kings. Hebrews 13, verse 8, reminds us that Jesus Christ is the same today. As he was yesterday. As he will be today. As he will be forever. Same. Then look back. Same, 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 same. Unchanged. You don't, need it. you don't have to wait for an upgrade. He is the upgrade. He is the, the greatest grade, the highest grade. And so past, present, and future, the question is this. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? You guys watching online, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for him to come and to receive you unto himself? So it's twofold. Are you ready? Are you saved? Are you born again? If not, you need to be born again today. You need to give your life to him. Church, if you're not ready, you need to get your heart right. Get things in order. Look, don't be so aggravated and agitated and all this stuff within your heart. Have grace in your heart and peace in your heart. Have the love of God in your heart. And then make sure that you're taking inventory as we will be doing through these churches in the next seven weeks. So, you know, you think this, are you ready? Are you ready for him to come? People say, oh, yeah, I can't can't wait to get out of here. Are you ready? Remember, as a child, my dad would show up, right? Mom and dad would show up unannounced. And, and it would be, you better have that room. Everything better be done, chores done. You better be ready. Things better be in order. So get your house in order. I mean, really. And you don't have to live in fear. It's exciting. 
exciting that one day we're going to be with him forever and ever. And please have that sense, that desire for to live for, for holiness, a desire to live in his word, a desire to be, you know, having his word a daily part of your lives, having that fervency. That's what's so important. Jesus often taught his disciples, he said, watch and pray. But after a lot of times they were sleeping. Watch and pray. Can you do this? Look, be alert. Know what's around us. Know the atmosphere that we live in. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's no fear mongering going on. I'm excited because Jesus Christ is in control. He's the one who's prompting John to write these things down. He's the one that wants us to be ready. He's the one that wants us to know him. He's the one that most of all, that he desires that we know that we belong to him. Because he knows. He's not mistaken. He knows who belongs to him. But he wants us to know, do, do we belong to him? Are we confident in that? And the way that we're confident of knowing that we're going to go to heaven when we die is that we have him as our personal Savior. 1 John 5, 11 and 12 says, He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son does not have the life. So it's, it's pretty simple. You have Jesus, then allow him to do the things in your life that he wants to do. Give you, allow him to give you that peace. Allow him to give you that assurance. Allow you, allow him to give you the rest that you need. Allow him to give you the, you know, whatever it is that you're longing for. Allow him to give those things to you. And if you belong to him, he wants to lead you. He wants to give you peace. Remember, the Holy Spirit doesn't, he doesn't push us. He doesn't strive. It's, I just, he just leads us. He leads us. He leads the church. He talks to the pastors and the leadership about what should be going on in the church, just like an individual he would in your lives. To fathers he does, you know, to your family. These are things that should be going on. And it's not a legalistic thing. Let me remind you again that we're, we're you better do things or else, you know, no. It's to have the love of Christ and to lead them in the grace of God and in the word of God. And so he wants us to be ready. He, he's going to show the churches and the leadership of the things that he does not approve of. He wants to show you and I the things that are in our lives that we are not there, where, you know, that we might see missing and, and all this. So, you know, we don't want to be swayed by the culture around us. We don't want to be swayed by this is what they're doing or this is what, what's happening here. This was What is the Holy Spirit speaking our hearts about? What is his word saying? And just to be ever so clear, God, I just want to love you. I just want to love you more today than I did yesterday. You know what? We're not going to find a perfect church. We're not going to find a perfect life here on earth. And he knows that. But he wants to walk us through the valley of the shadow of death. See, he doesn't care about how cool a church is. He doesn't care about what kind of cool, fab things, neat things they have. He doesn't care about the building size, the color of the carpet. He doesn't care about, and that stuff is not thrilling to him. He doesn't care about what denomination or non-denomination. He doesn't care about that. He, he, I think his concern is the size of one's heart towards him. That's it. We can't grow a church, not that I would ever try. We can't grow a church and make him happy, but we can grow our hearts to bless him. Behold, he is coming. Let's pray. Father, again, we look to you. We're so grateful that we have you in our lives. We hope you've enjoyed spending this time in God's word, and our prayer is that you'll take it with you and apply it to your life. If you'd like to learn more about Calvary Longview, visit our website at cclongview.com. 
While you're there, you can find more teachings, request prayer, or even find out how you can get involved with what God is doing in our city. We hope you have an amazing day. We'll see you back here next time. And remember, Jesus loves you, and so do we.